No crying. There's no crying in baseball. card counters at the blackjack table. We're going to turn the odds on the casino. What's up, friends? Welcome to episode number 27 of Terrace Talk. We're here with the full squad again as we recap another successful Brewers week. The Brewers are currently 76 and 49 here, Monday, August 23rd. Seven and a half game lead on the Cincinnati Reds as we go and play them in a three game set tomorrow. Uh, boys, we're still buzzing. How we doing? What's going on, fellas? Um, you know, this is the the fun time of the year. Um, it gets cold. Um, we're embarking on Craig Timber, um, and we know what that means. It means uh, Craig is eighty one and fifty two in September in his career. So, got a bunch of wins to stack up here. Yeah, just about a month left, and it feels like we're pretty much on cruise control at this point. I know Cincinnati's technically not out of it, especially with this series coming up, but it feels like we're one series win away this week from really putting them away and ultimately trying to fight for um, playoff seating. I still am not leaving out hope for uh, the one seed and then hopefully catching a break with, you know, the Dodgers potentially losing in the wild card game if, if they get there. But, you know, even if they do win, it just, it feels like the way we're playing and the depth that we have it, at this point, it really doesn't matter who we play. Um, it feels like this is uh, going to be a very special year. Yeah, man. Uh, the Brewers just keep chugging along winning series. Um, I'm not sure. Have we lost a series since the all-star break? Yeah. San Francisco uh, uh, was yep. our last series loss, which was the first weekend in August. Um but other than that, the only other one we lost after the All-Star break was the two-gamer against the Royals. Oh, those pesky Royals. They've been a thorn yeah. in our side this year. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, man, the Brewers are playing great ball. Uh, started this week with, uh, with a series win at St. Louis. Could have been a sweep. Um, uncharacteristically poor outing by Woody. Kind of got blown up by a couple of uh, home runs late in his outing, but – uh, he was sharp up until then. One of those things that happens over the course of 162. Brewers then lose the opener uh, this weekend against uh, Washington, uh, but then take care of business the next couple games. So uh, overall successful week. You know, all you can ask for is chipping away, winning series by series. Um, this week we got uh, we got a showdown with the Reds. So um, they've been playing some good ball. Uh, give them credit. Uh, they're right in the wild card race now with uh, the way San Diego's playing. I think they overtook them um, over the weekend with a, a sweep over the lowly Marlins. Um, so got a big time series, uh, top of the rotations facing up against each other. 
uh, should be a lot of fun. You guys got any uh, anything else beyond that before we start pregaming uh, or <laughs> going over some of the games this weekend? Yeah, no, just one thing on the Cincinnati series. It uh, looks like we're going to catch a break. I think Winker is still on the IL. I don't think he'll come back till this weekend, I think, if my timeline's right. So, obviously, a big bat that uh, Cincinnati's missing. I know they're, they've been playing well, um, but they've kind of been uh, doing, I guess, what we've been doing, and they've been beating the teams that they should. Uh, looks like their schedule's fairly fair in September, so it'll be nice to just remind Cincinnati who is the alpha in the division. So, Yeah, who do we got after them? I could easily look it up, but anyone know off the top of their head this weekend? It is uh, Minnesota. Okay, interesting. That's right. Yep, at Minnesota, right? Or is that at yep. home? Yep, Minnesota. <clears throat> nice. And, yeah, they Minnesota is still, uh, you know, they, it's the same issue as, you, uh, as usual there. I mean, they can still hit it a little bit, uh, just struggle throwing the ball, really. Um, but we'll, we'll end up, uh, previewing the week near the end of the episode, but we can kind of recap the weekend here, starting with the Sunday game yesterday. Um, so the Brewers win seven to three, uh, and we got, uh, Adrian Hauser back from the COVID IL. Um, he was, uh, he was pretty good. Uh, Mitch, I know, um, I don't know if you want to give any Hauser takes on, uh, his short outing yesterday. Um, but, uh, feel free to, to do so. Yeah, no, I, I know he was on a pitch count as he was out for, for two weeks or, or uh, 10 days with uh, the COVID IL. Um, but I would have just liked, and I don't know if it was a specific number that CC and the team kind of had in mind that before the start, they're saying, hey, this is the amount of pitches you're having. Um, and I know Strickland has been absolutely nasty, so he got out of it. But I'm just to that point and obviously biased because I've been a Hauser guy, but I want to see him go longer in games. Um, just because I think he can with the way he produces a ton of weak contact. And it even felt like in that situation, the two runners that got on that inning were one was a, a weak single up the middle and then the other one was a hit and run that dribbled through where Adamus was if he wasn't covering the bag. So um, I think I'm just to the point where I want to see Hauser go deep in games just to see what he has. Cause I feel like even before he went on the COVID IL, he's always had a quick leash. Um, and if you look at his numbers, obviously the advanced metrics will never support him because he doesn't have the huge K numbers, but like Adrian's uh, ERA is down to almost a three, four. Um, so he's a, you know, we've been talking about the, the front three and rightfully so, but I don't have the statistic in front of me, but I would venture to guess that there's not too many fours in major league baseball that have a three, four ERA. So, um, truly the Brewers rotation is something special and it's only going to get better um as we kind of grow here into next year and the year after with you know what Ashby's kind of showing so um exciting stuff yeah like you said uh Strickland came in um you know there's a uh, some slight trouble on the bases I mean I think there was like an infield hit um they were dinking and dunker Duncan Hauser pretty good in that uh, fourth inning Strickland comes in strikes out the two batters that he faces he's been lights out uh we had a a lengthy discussion about him last podcast. Uh, but then uh, Aaron Ashby uh, making pitching ninja, throwing two scoreless innings. Um, also gave up a couple cheap hits, a walk, but he struck out four in those two innings, got out of a, of a jam there. Uh, but the pitch that was making the, you know, the Twittersphere rumble a little bit was his 99 mile per hour sinker. Um, and there was a, they had a short little segment on him on uh, talking baseball. Those boys were in Milwaukee this weekend. Kind of cool to see all the coverage that they were giving the brew crew. Um, but 
they were just kind of saying they were talking to some higher up Brewers officials and uh, you know, the team's very high on him. <laughs> um, they, they basically said that he's next in line of the Woodruff, Burns, Peralta, um, now add Aaron Ashby to that list. And that's pretty high praise. So pretty exciting stuff there. Um, we then had a uh, box come in and then uh, <laughs> someone had this funny tweet on, on uh, Twitter, uh, but Hobie Milner doing as best as he can to uh, get Josh Hader the most money in arbitration this year um, <laughs> by giving up a handful of runs getting shelled in his limited action. So Hader comes in, picks up his 26 save of the season. Uh, yeah, yeah. Two, days, two days in a row too, um, which, is, right. which is kind of annoying, but it is what it is. And one other point, uh, sorry, I didn't jump in there before um, that I just wanted to add on the kind of uh, Hauser Ashby thing. I was looking because I wanted to confirm uh, Hauser's average exit velocity is up to the 80th percentile. Um, which is pretty wild, just which just goes to show, I mean, kind of those things that we're seeing about how he gets dinked and dunked pretty regularly. It's not like Hauser gives up hard contact by any means, but then, you know, obviously Strickland came in and, and Ashby's uh, baseball Zavant page, as he gets more data, I would assume we're going to see a lot of red on his page too. So. Yeah, man, it's just another exciting arm. And um, I think you mentioned last podcast, but uh just him taking that Brett Anderson spot in the rotation next year. I mean, it's, it's going to be so much fun watching these guys pitch literally every single day, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, if you want to get hyped about the future, um, you think about where we're losing Brett Anderson and we're adding Aaron Ashby to this slot. And then Ethan small probably fills that seventh role. <laughs> so you go Woodruff Burns, Peralta, Ashby, Hauser, Small, and Eric Lauer, who also has a sub four ERA. I mean, that's arguably the best seven man rotation of all time. <laughs> yeah, dude. Especially if uh, if Aaron Ashby, you know, catches on quickly. And and people do forget. I mean, it is a little bit of a process for you know, even like Freddie Peralta. It was a couple of years where he didn't necessarily put it all together. You know, he would have some uh, trouble starting games in the first inning moving to the bullpen. He was successful there, kind of a process. Um, so who knows? Every player is a little bit different, but, uh, you know, there are people out on Ashby after his literal first outing in major league baseball. And, uh, since then he's, uh, he's thrown like eight scoreless innings, something like that. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's looking pretty good since that first outing. Yeah. I just want to touch on Ashby, I guess, uh, rock and, uh, this is Jeff Levering this weekend, actually, um, shout out to Jeff Levering. He's a sick, sick TV announcer. Um, anyway, um, I guess Ashby, that cub start that he had, um, he got hot and threw all his warm up pitches and then he had to stand on the mound for like three minutes before the game started. So he said that kind of fucked him up. Um, I mean, pitchers are all about rhythm and kind of when they're ready to go, they're ready to go. Um, it's kind of weird, weird like that, but, I don't know if that had anything to do with it. Um, I mean, some days you just don't have it. Um, but since that game, Ashby hasn't given up an earned run. His nine Ks and in eight innings and a 1.3 FIP with one walk. So, dude, yeah. fucking nasty. And that's that's always been Ashby's kind of knock. Like, the reason why MLB Pipeline, I think, had him in their updated top 30, had him at, at ninth, was his control. And ever since he's came out of this kind of pending, which is, again, it's something that Stearns has implemented because we've done it with all of our studs where we kind of had him as that like two to three inning out of relief then started him on short starts. It really helped them with their command issues. I think that pipeline will have 
Ashby valued lower. I don't know if you guys saw, but Will Salmon released his top 10 Brewers farm, and he had Ashby as our number one prospect. I had a Garrett Mitchell. I had a Sal, and I think it's solely to do with that. So I would not be shocked at all if Ashby outperforms MLB pipeline and, and literally becomes that fourth front-end guy um, that most teams, you know, die to have one of, and we have four of them. Ready for the fucking league next year. Holy shit. <laughs> right. It, it seems like he's kind of on like Freddie Peralta. Uh, and this partly was probably because he was promoted at such a young age, but um, he never really got the, the crazy amount of hype. And like Woody and Burns were in the, were definitely top 100 po- uh, prospects, but it is kind of crazy because the Brewers haven't had a su- successful like premier pitching prospect. Um, I guess, you know, Corbin Burns was that and so was Woodruff, but I'm saying like the surefire top of the line guy, you know what I'm saying? That's like top 10 when they come into the league. So it's kind of funny how, um, you know, everyone doubts us a little bit until they, they get up and going. And speaking of which um, in the top 30, I know the next guys in line for that kind of blossoming top 100 guys was Dylan File and Alec Bettinger. I know, I want them both to succeed, but I saw that their prospect ranking had been dropping. So tough scene for uh, BCB, but you know, we're not, we don't hold grudges. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're quite a ways down there now. Um, I don't think Dylan Files in the top 30 anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh that's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy, man. Um, but yeah, but offensively brewers, uh, brewers continue to swing the bats. Well, Friday, there was a lull, but, Saturday, Sunday, you know, they're putting up seven, nine runs. Um, Colton Wong had a hell of a, a Saturday and Sunday, dude. Um, he was awesome. Sunday starts off the game with his fifth leadoff bomb of the season, um, just crushing the ball. Uh, had three RBIs yesterday, triple, um, playing electric defense. Um, his base running has been, you know, through the through the roof lately. Um, so he's he's balling out. Yelich, another couple hits yesterday, just a couple singles. He had a huge Saturday, and we'll get to that. Um, and the, the boys are swinging hot sticks, so that's uh, that's good to see. You guys got anything uh, offensively on, on Sunday that stood out to you or anything else? I don't think so outside of Yelich, but we'll get to him. <clears throat> um, oh, yeah, I'll- and then uh, Eddie Escobar, um, it looked like he pulled his, his hammy, but Bust did some detective work on Instagram. Uh, boss, want to give a, a little update for the people on Escobar? Yeah, no, he posted some big like uh, Instagram post after he got hurt about like God and Jesus and whatever. And some random person, <laughs> some random person uh, commented on him and uh, <laughs> commented on his post and said, Colt, or uh, not Colton, uh, Eddie, please tell me your hamstring is okay. And Eddie just replied, yes. <laughs> so yeah. Eddie's good, confirmed. He's fine. Um, it was just funny because as all the comments were all in uh, Spanish, you know, there's just this one post. That's just simply yes. <laughs> yeah. I think it's also worth giving a kudos to Colton Wong for just being a professional hitter. I think that's the only accurate way to describe him. He is arguably one of the toughest at bats, probably the toughest at bat in our lineup right now, just because of how good he is at spalling off tough pitches, you know, fighting stuff off to, you know, get the pitch that he wants. And even then it's just like, even if he gets fooled, he still finds a way to like dump the ball into left field. I think he had a two run single uh, down the left field line yesterday um, where he kind of just fought off a tough pitch. And it's just like kind of seeing that and seeing the way he was against St. Louis. It's just like, 
I know they, you know, feel like they have Colton Wong 2.0, but it's just like, how do you let go of that guy? I mean, he feels like he's really completed our lineup. Um, that's going to be one of the more under low key, awesome moves of Stearns' career, just because of what he's filled for this team. Dude, he's a fucking menace. <laughs> is the best way to put it. And we've always struggled with having a leadoff hitter too. And I feel like Colton Wong is just like our perfect guy for the way our lineup set up right now. Dude, you blink and Colton's on base again. It's just like fucking clockwork, whether he gets hit, draws a walk or fucking hits leadoff bombs. He's got like four this year, I think. He's just a really good, complete baseball player. I mean, he's a gold glove defender. He is now have uh, OPS over 800. His base running is superb. Like he doesn't really have a, a weakness in his game because he's, he's showing some pop this year. And if he wasn't injured, um, you know, the amount of time that he was this year, he'd probably be a 20 home run guy. And a four war, four plus war player. I mean, he was on the IL stint, what, three or four different times. And he's going to still probably be like a three, one, three, two war guy this year. I mean, right. you take those 30 games, 40 games that he missed, he's easily a four plus war player, which is just incredible seeing as we got him for about 10 to 12 million a year. And you could say this for about, you know, just about all, every single guy on the team, but he's just a great like locker room guy too. Everyone loves him. His energy is infectious, just like Willie Adamas. Um, he's got that, uh, got that Hawaiian swagger. So he's, he's just awesome. Great move by Stearns. Uh, Colton Wong certified G. Uh, yes. Yeah, so a lot of low-key low swag too. His, his cleat game is second to none. Yeah, no, that Instagram story that he had up yesterday of Mr. T-Rat and Urias just, like, playing on the ground on, like, those, like, foam rollers watching a movie. He's like, guys, we got a day game today, and y'all are sitting down here watching a movie. And T-Rat's just grinning with that huge-ass smile he's got, and Urias just throws up the peace sign. Dude, I, these dudes are just so close. Yeah, man, a lot of, lot of fun to be had the last, uh, you know, month-plus going in the playoffs. So, um, yeah, and AmFam's rocking. So, uh was at the game on Saturday. There's about 37,000 people there. Um, they're starting to get that, uh, that playoff juice in Milwaukee now. Um, and this was the, uh, this was the big Yelich game that we've all been waiting for. Uh, I've been crying for a clutch moment from Yelich. Um, and he hit a massive grand slam in the eighth inning of the game on Saturday um, Brewers were up by one full count and he hit it 454 feet to right center, got the place absolutely buzzing. Um, that was after a leadoff home run in the first inning and an RBI single mixed in there as well. Uh, and boys, this is, uh, where we can turn the conversation to Christian Yelich and give the man his credit. Cause, uh, we have been critical of him the last six to eight weeks, uh, plus maybe, uh, for some of us on the pod. Um, but this was, and he even tweeted, he, you know, it feels good to come through or feels good to feel good. Um, so boys, how are we feeling about our guy? CY 22 Giannis buys into the team and all of a sudden Christian Yelich is an MVP again. Yeah. Hanson. I think I lifted your, uh, Yelich positivity ban on, was that Wednesday or Tuesday or Wednesday? Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, that might have something to do with it. I'm not sure. Uh, but since last Sunday, Yelich is 11 for his last 29, three doubles, two bombs, which are both on Saturday, nine ribbies and uh, zero walks, which is kind of a wild stat to me, seeing that he was almost leading the league in walks um, or is um, with a 
1.069 OPS. So hitting the ball with power, hitting it with authority. Um, he's got a swagger back, I think. Yeah, man. And we've, we've pointed out his underlying stats, like his exit velocity, average exit velocity. Um, you know, he's, he's still hitting the ball hard. Uh, it has all year. Um, so it was good to see him finally get that home run stroke going. A um, couple of no doubters on Saturday. Uh, and, you know, it, the other funny thing is like, he was getting catching a lot of heat on Twitter, um, you know, early on in the week, even uh, his, his stats with runners in scoring position have been surprisingly really good, uh, really solid throughout the year. Uh, it just never, it never seemed to me like he had a huge moment where the game was on the line um, and he came through with like a big extra base hit or, you know, something like that. But dude, it was, it was awesome to be at the yellow game in person, hopefully turns his full season around and, you know, becomes the MVP candidate that we know he can play like. Yeah, no, I feel like we, everyone was just kind of watching Yelly like pitch by pitch and was just like off strike two. He's fucking done now. I think everyone was just fiending for that uh, MVP to come back. I mean, it's hard not to just because he's had two unreal seasons, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, when he hit that grand slam, he just kind of pointed in the dugout and was like, yeah, I'm the fucking man. And uh, Trevor Plouffe kind of said it best today on Talking Baseball. Um, he's had a quote from Prince Fielder about like, don't don't worry about your numbers during this season because if you're a dog or a dude, you're going to be there at the end of the year. So that's all that really matters, man, is playoff time. Um, yeah, MVPs are great, but we want we want chips here in Milwaukee. Yeah, no, absolutely. I heard the same thing. Uh yeah, dude, it was uh, it was a great Saturday for sure. Um, Colton Wong, another couple hits on Saturday, uh, just stroking the ball well. Um, and one of the plays of the game in a very clutch moment actually um, was Omar Narvaez got a got a sack fly out of this, but a ball that was hit about negative six feet to the right. Um, you know, all their guys started chasing after the ball. Their catcher kind of stumbled trying to get past Omar. Um, no one was covering home plate and Colton Wong scored from, from third tagging up, uh, one of the cooler base running plays of the year. Um, and it was, uh, it was a pretty electric moment that, uh, at AmFam when he did that. Yeah, no, the crowd, the crowd was getting into it. And then Narvaez kind of just like blooped one over the side. Everyone's like, you could just hear the groan of the crowd. And then everyone saw Wong running and everyone's like, oh my God. And I mean, that's what the nationals thought too. They were all just kind of fucking staring at the ball over in the, um, on deck circle and scored. I mean, it was still a close play, but uh, by a cleat length, he got in there, I think. So, I mean, the Nationals are the Nationals. They're young, but. Uh, yeah, and they made, they made some mistakes and they were they were walking guys all weekend. Um, I think they had like 10 walks in yesterday's game. I mean, props to the Brewers for taking pitches and being patient, drawing walks. Um, but ultimately, if you're in the big leagues, dude, you got to pound the zone better than giving up. 10 free bases. So, uh, you know, we'll face some better competition here this week, um, at least with the Reds before going to Minnesota. So should be good seeing some more high intensity playoff caliber baseball. Yeah. Lane Thomas is kind of a thorn in our fucking side this weekend too. Every time he was up, he had a hit. So shout out to the Cardinals for getting him out of the division. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe he sticks around with them. Um, Pretty crazy. The, the fall from grace. I mean, Ultimately, the Nationals got their ring, uh, but uh, they've they've fallen quite a bit since uh, since then. You know, trading away Trey Turner, Max Scherzer, um, all they got left basically to build on long term is uh, Juan Soto. I mean, they're starting 
their starting very old friend, LCD's Escobar at shortstop hitting him second. Um, that, that's an offense that, you know, the Brewers should have handled a little bit better probably than what they did this weekend. <laughs> yeah, completely agree. I mean, we had guys on base all day against Pablo Espino and only scored three runs off him, but. Yeah. Yeah, man. They were starting those fringe guys like Molin yesterday, Nolan, whatever the hell his name was, Espino. Mm. Um, just a lot of action on the bases. Brewers could have, you know, made it a bloodbath a lot quicker than, than what they had. Completely agree. <clears throat> um, yeah, but on the hill, uh, Eric Lauer wasn't sharp. Uh, it was a good day to hit. The ball was kind of carrying after that off the bat. Only went four and a third, gave up three runs, three walks, three strikeouts. Uh, just kind of a, eh, a little bit below average outing from him. Cousins threw the ball well. Brent Suter, uh, you know, gave up a run in inning of relief. I think he gave up a home run, actually. Uh, Box. Tossed the ball well. D. Will threw the ball well. Miguel Sanchez, um, yeah, he he's had, he had a rough week. Uh, got sent down to the minors. Um, so hopefully he, you know, he'll be back up. That he's in that classic, uh, you know, the train going back and forth from AAA to major leagues. So, and that was Hater, dude. He got his uh, he got his second save of the weekend or his first of two, I should say, on Saturday. So solid, solid day all the way around. Brewers win this one nine to six. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I feel like Hader is kind of earning some of these saves the amount of times where he's up in the eighth and the Brewers score five runs, and then he sits back down. So kind yeah. of all comes full circle. But Box and D Will have kind of been uh, unreal. Um, I noticed when we were at the game on Saturday, Box, D Will, and Hader kind of just like roam together. You saw them go go to the bullpen together in the like the third or fourth inning. Um, Boxberger since the All Star game is nineteen has nineteen and a third, twenty eight Ks. 0.93 ERA and D will hasn't given up a run in since God knows how long um, he's got 14 and a third scoreless with 23 punchies. So it only 10 hits in all 10 singles. So no extra base hits since uh, the all-star break. So guys yeah, are clicking. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Finish up bus. Sorry about that. I just said guys are clicking at the right time, kind of finding that seven, eight, nine role, you know, yeah, I mean, when you throw in uh, what we got going in the 789, because that's pretty much set, um, you throw in the likes of Hunter Strickland, Aaron Ashby, uh, Miguel Sanchez before this last kind of rough week that he had. Um, you know, things are things are shaping up. Brent Suter, um, if it's the fifth, sixth inning, just trying to bridge a gap. Uh, Brewers, are, Brewers are pretty solid in the bullpen, uh, especially in those playoff series. Yeah, the Brewers are the big ball of disgustingness, and I love it. Yeah, Dil, I didn't even mention Cousins. Um, so we still got Cousins out there. Uh, a couple more that aren't even coming to my brain right now. So, um, yeah, man, Brewers, Brewers looking good. Uh, real quick, we could talk about Friday's game. I believe our uh, friend Mitchell was at this one. Only loss of the series. Um, kind of a kind of a slow day offensively. So Patrick Corbin. Um, had like his best start of the season through six and a third with seven strikeouts. Uh, and I heard on a fantasy baseball podcast today that he was uh, through the hardest uh, that he had all year against the Brewers on, on Friday night. So he was just saving it up, coming to AmFam, throwing that sinker, whatever he does from the left side, 94 miles per hour. Um, so Patrick Corbin shut us down pretty quiet all the way around. Avi hit a bomb. Um, uh, but uh, Mitchell, you were there in attendance. I guess, do you have any uh, any takeaways from Friday? 
Yeah, I, uh, I think statistically going into that game, Patrick Corbin was the third worst qualified pitcher in baseball, according to Fangraphs. Um, so I think that's just a testament to the game of baseball and how on any given day, even some of the worst pitchers can have their best stuff with everything clicking and can shut down an offense that is, you know, seemingly been one of the best in baseball. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was an interesting game for sure. I, uh, you know, as for being a diehard Brewers fan, I had some um, exterior things that I was, I was uh, working through and it was, uh, it was an interesting fun night uh, to say the least. So um, Brewers guys there through thick and thin, um, even if he's, uh, you know, entertaining others. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah. Um, dude, do you know? Sorry, I just want to jump in. Patrick Corbin got fucking paid to be dog shit. <laughs> yeah. He's on, a, he's on a six-year, $140 million contract. The rebuilding Nationals, dude. He, he's just going to turn into that fucking innings eater that they're going to make. They're going to make him to go out there every fifth day and just run his ass into the ground. That's what they're going to do. kind of just blossomed late in Arizona, too. It was one of those things where he just had, like, a career year right before he was about to get paid. And then did so. And then, I mean, he had a decent, good year or two on the first or the front end of his contract with the Nationals. But, yeah, he's been awful this year, to say the least. Yeah, he seems like one of those guys. I mean, I feel like even, like, Mad Bum um, kind of had, like, a resurgence here this year a little bit. I don't know. It probably has ended since earlier on in the year. But, he might have like a year sprinkled in there in the next like five where he strings together some good starts and maybe figures it out. But that's uh right now that's looking like a, a pretty dog shit contract <laughs> for the, the rebuilding Nats that are starting LCD's Escobar in the two hole playing shortstop, <laughs> which is just crazy, man. I can't believe like when they threw out Escobar, I'm like, is that LCD's still out here grinding? How old is he? Cause Ploof, Ploof was talking about it. He's like, yeah, he got a couple hits from me back in my day. And Ploof hasn't been in the league in, like, 10 years. I think he's, like, the same age as Locaine. So, is he, like, 35? Let's see. I'm going to look it up because that's uh, something that needs to be known right now. He's 34 years old. Damn. 34 years old, still grinding. He's one of, like, the top Brewers prospects over the him. Like, 20 years. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I remember him strutting around shortstop with those fucking those braces. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Legendary. All right. And then we could get into uh, the Arizona or the Arizona, the uh, the St. Louis series. Um, so the Brewers take the first two from St. Louis um, on the road, lose the third game. That was a game that Woodruff threw. Uh, easily could have won that game. Just kind of slipped away. They hit a home run a big home run, a couple of them off of Woody in his final inning. Brewers lose this one eight to four. Uh, Woody gives up most of his, uh, I think five of his six earned runs in that sixth inning. Uh, never even recorded an out there, uh, but, or I think it was in the fifth when they did all the damage. Yep. Yep. So yeah, man, it was uh Woodruff's worst out in the year. It happens. Uh, you just kind of flush this one away um, and get on to the next one. Brewers ended up winning their next series. I know there was some panic on Twitter, though. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people don't – I don't know if they realize that, you know, over the course of 162, this will happen every once in a while. Yeah, there was a guy that was tweeting at the Brewers saying that Woodruff hasn't been good since they removed the spider attack. And I quickly 
pulled the statistics of Woodruff in the second half before that start. And his ERA was like a two seven or something like that. I think it just goes to show how spoiled we've been as fans to be like, he's, he's got an outing where he's given up four or five runs. Like what's wrong with him? Um, which they are very common. Um, even the best pitchers in baseball, I'm sure you can go back and look at Jacob deGrom's game log and have a handful of those every single year where he's given up four or five runs in a, in a, in a start. So, um, yeah, I mean, he was due for that. One of our big three was definitely due for a start like that. Are you guys, I know we kind of talked about this early in the year. Are you guys still team Woodruff or team Burns and, like a game, like a game seven or like a elimination game, both on equal rest. I'm not sure how that would be possible, but no, I get what you're saying. I, I think uh, like this is the the question: who starts the first game in the NLDS, basically? Yeah. <clears throat> um, Mitch, do you want to answer first? Yeah, I'll I'll still say Woodruff just because he's proven it in the playoffs. I mean, you go back to 2018 and what he did against the Dodgers. Um, I think the fact that he's been there before um, gives him the edge for me, but it's, it's, it's almost like one of those things where you really can't go wrong um, with either of those pitchers. But the fact that Woody has already established himself and proven that he's can pitch in those big games, I think gives him the edge for me. Yeah. I'll go with Woodruff as well. Um, you know, both of his outings in the playoffs over the last two, three seasons against the Dodgers, just give me the utmost confidence that when the bright or when the lights are the brightest, that uh, he's going to bring his a game. He's going to fucking shove and bring that bulldog mentality and uh, you know, put the brewers in the best position to win a game. So uh, boss, what are your thoughts on that? God, I think I'm team burns, man. I mean, just because he's, I mean, no, no hitter stuff every time he comes out and you know, he's tough to hit with that cutter and how hard he throws and developing that change up. I don't know. I mean, either, either one, I'd be totally right. fine with, obviously like being picky. I think I would take burns, but. And he might be the side and Cy young. Um, so it's, it's kind of crazy that, uh, you know, even though Mitch L and I both recognize that it's a horse apiece, essentially uh, the fact that we took, you know, the other guy over the guy who might win Cy young kind of shows you where our pitching staff is at right now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're splitting hairs here with two elite yeah. fucking arms. And then the third guy is also going to get Cy Young votes too. And he's not even really in the conversation for who you'd want pitching in, in that game, which is absolutely wild. Yeah. And I keep, and I was right about this about three weeks ago when uh, I thought I heard Brian Anderson say it. If Freddie Peralta ends up qualifying, he will have the, or he's on pace to have the lowest batting average against of all time in major league history, which is just an absurd thing to think about. And and I don't think he's going to end up qualifying. Uh, I think the Brewers are going to, you know, I don't know. I would estimate another week off before he sees a field. Um, so we'll see if he ends up qualifying. Either way, dude, just an unbelievable season from Freddie Peralta as well. And dude, he was throwing on Sunday already. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, this is like the fourth reference of talking baseball, but. Um, shout, out to the, shout out to them. Yeah, Great dude, they, they do an unbelievable podcast, and uh, there was a ton of Brewer content this weekend as they were in Milwaukee uh, taking in AmFam. Um, but they, they said they were talking to Corbin on the field, um, and he was joking with them, you know, you know how Freddie has way too much energy and is just like a ball of fire at all times. 
and Corbin said he looked out and like Freddie was long tossing and he was like, what the hell? Like he's not he doing yet. And he's just like throwing like a football around just like, so I, you know, long story short, I don't think, uh, I don't think that's here. I wouldn't be too worried about Freddie's uh, injury that he had this week. That's for sure. <laughs> They're going to have to strap him to a chair for, to keep him from doing baseball stuff. And he even said after his post-game interview that, you know, if I think if the Brewers were the ones that were seven games behind, he would be in the rotation. Um, but thankfully the Brewers have played this well um, and have that lead in the division where they can afford to sit him down for 10 days and reevaluate from there. Um, cool, man. Well, let's, uh, let's, go into, uh, let's go into the second game of the St. Louis series. All right, so in game two of that Cardinal series, um, this is one of the more fun games of the year, actually. Um, Brewers winning extras, six to four. Uh, fall behind early. Uh, this was a game where Freddie got a little banged up, only threw two innings, gave up three runs. Um, but Brewers faced Flaherty in this one, so it was kind of tough sledding early on. Um, ends up going into extras. Alex Reyes gets pretty wild. Uh, you know, Brewers... Brewers have that inning in the 10th where uh, does anyone remember the exact sequence there before that Yelich bunt? Was it the, it was the wild pitch? Was wild, the, yeah. Yeah. We scored on a wild pitch. Yep. So Reyes lets the Brewers score on a wild pitch. Um, then there's uh, there's Christian Yelich um, who lays down a beautiful bunt for a hit. They end up scoring uh, three runs in the top of the 10th. Um, and closed that one out six to four. Um, so D will came in for that save at the end. Um, but boys, I guess, uh, this one, Willie Adamas hit a home run off Jack Flaherty in the fourth inning. Uh, Brewers were actually one for 10 with runners in scoring position, but, uh, this one went way late into the night. We threw eight arms, uh, to get through those 10 innings. And the Brewers run a thriller in St. Louis. So, you guys have any major takeaways from this one? Yeah, Avi hit a uh, big home run off of yes. Uh, yes. Reyes. Two, um, that was in the ninth. Avi, yeah, had... that was his second. Yeah, he had two that day, but yeah, that, his one off of Reyes was in the ninth. That Tyler O'Neill almost fully climbed the wall and caught. That's right. Yes, that was an Avi game, dude. He's been so awesome this year. Shout out to Abisail Garcia. Um, he's been a G and, uh, Mitch, you alerted us this morning from a Will Salmon article, but you want to fill us in about what's going to happen with his contract here soon? Yeah. So that was an interesting thing that I don't think many people knew about. So I think everyone thought it was a club option next year, which, you know, who knows with Delfield log jam, I think it was, you know, in the Brewers hands, but he's actually 67 plate appearances away. So I think it's 450 total. Um, where that option actually turns into a mutual option. Um, and with there still being a full month left of baseball, um, Avi, you know, more than likely is going to hit that 67 plate appearances from now until the end of the year, which makes it a mutual option. And for a guy that's had north of a thousand OPS in the second half of the year, um, he's definitely going to have suitors this off season. So I would um, highly suspect that he becomes a free agent after the year, which you know, obviously he's been incredible for us. He's probably been our most consistent hitter this year from start to finish uh, outside of maybe Omar. Um, so obviously it would sting a little bit, but we have so much depth in our outfield that it feels like that's one of those things where if they let Avi go, maybe they take that money and try to re-sign um, full goal power. So. 
Yeah. Do you yeah, think we'll... that Avi would stay just because of the vibe? Sorry, what'd you say? No, go for it. Go for it. No, just like with the camaraderie that Avi has with uh, Willie, because obviously he's going to be there for a couple of years. Um, Urias. I don't, do you think that I feel like he's going to have a hard time walking away from this team? I mean, I mean, he's out there to get the bag, but. What do you think he makes in the open market? Like he's, what's the, what's the mutual option? Is that like 10, $10 million? 12, I think. 12. I'm curious. Does he make like, is he like a 15 to $18 million guy after this year on like three year deal? Like, I wonder if he gets like a three for 54 offer, but like, you know, maybe he, like Mitch said, Mitch bus, maybe he just loves hanging with Willie, you know, loves and feels comfortable in Milwaukee where he's like, okay, I'll take this 12 million and get paid after this year. Who knows? Brewers are in such a good spot where, you know, if he decides to go elsewhere um, and take the highest bidder that will still be just fine, but he's been so good. Would love to have him back. Yeah, I mean, he is only 30, and he hasn't really gotten a big contract. The contract that we gave him was the biggest. It was like three years, $30 million. So I, I, I don't blame him for trying to chase another three-, four-year deal at, you know, $50 million. Um, I don't think anyone would blame him. But, yeah, I mean, there may be something to be said about, you know, his relationship with Adamus and the other guys. But, you know, what's yeah. to say if the Brewers only offer him, you know, hey, we only are going to bring you back for a year because Garrett Mitchell and Sal are coming soon and they're on pre-arb deals. So maybe our offer to him is, you know, hey, you can come back for a year or two. And then another team offers him a four-year, $50 million deal. He's not going to leave that on the table. Yep. I agree with that. Or maybe it's something where the Brewers give him like three for whatever it is, three for 45 and extend them. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't suspect them doing that. Uh, but you never know. We got, uh, we got owner Giannis now. <laughs> That's an interesting thing too. So I think minority owners are at least one, you have to have on 1% of the team. The team's valued at 1.2, 1.3 billion. So 1% of that would be what, like 10 to 15 million a year. I don't know fully how that works, but that's my guess. Yeah. Yeah, man. We and we could stop and talk about that too. So the Brewers, um, I think this was on Friday, uh, where completely out of the blue, they're like, yeah, we have a team press conference at three o'clock. There was a brief time period where, you know, Twitter was trying to figure out what it could possibly be. Um, and sure enough, uh, Giannis, the Milwaukee goat, buys into the Milwaukee Brewers, has a presser with Mark Antanasio, David Stearns, and uh, the Milwaukee Press, and makes the announcement, dude. Um, so he's the only minority owner. I think uh, I've seen many tweets out there where it's a picture of uh, Antanasio and Giannis, and it's like the two Brewers owners. Um, so I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure they're the only two with financial stakes in the team, but it's pretty awesome, dude. And like, even after the game on Sunday, he tweeted late in the day, you know, a Yelich home run highlight. And he was like, this is going to be fun. And it's like, just inject that into my veins after every single win. Giannis tweeting about the Brewers. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to text Christian, you know, Christian every day to learn more about baseball. Cause so you've openly admitted that he doesn't know a lot about baseball because, I mean, they don't have baseball where he's from. So, Well, if you've ever seen that video of him trying to take BP with the Yankees, uh, it's not a pretty swing. 
there was just, it is funny watching basketball players, um, like elite level athletes, like throw a baseball. Like Bobby Portis's first pitch was so fucking funny. He literally like looked like a lever like over his head, and he lobbed it like. 14 miles per hour and everyone went nuts but like it was like dude i expected something more athletic looking than that <laughs> outside, of, outside of patty c patty c would probably get out there and throw 100 uh just because he pitched at notre dame but um the thing about that though is like there were so many awesome quotes that Giannis had about the city of milwaukee and it was like listening to him talk about how like the city of milwaukee bet on him when no one else was going to and um, you know, how much the city believed in him, even when the team struggled and, and kind of all that, and where he was just like, at the end of the day, all I want to do is give back to this city and stuff. It's just like, how can you not kind of get like teary eyed listening to him talk about like this city that we love so much hearing our superstar talk about that and, and wanting to give back to. Yeah, man, he's, he's a legend. Uh, hope, uh, Hope we get to see him throw out a first pitch in a World Series game. Would be absolutely electric. Um, and, yeah, it's just really cool uh, seeing. Uh, and, you know, another thing, talking baseball, uh, you know, they they said that – they raised the question, you know, is Milwaukee the best sports city right now? Um, and if you have national podcasts even asking the question, um, it's, uh, it's pretty insane how far we've come in the last – 10, 10 years with uh, the Brewers and the Bucks. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so we could get into uh, the Tuesday's game. Um, so this is another Corbin Burns show. Uh, he improved to eight and four on the year. Brewers shut the Cardinals out 2-0. He throws six innings. Um, doesn't put up the huge strikeout numbers, but doesn't allow any contact much at all. Uh, only gave up two hits, two walks. Lowered his ERA to 2.13. Um, and the Cy Young candidacy is fully on attack because Zach Wheeler and unfortunately Brandon Woodruff both had rough weeks. Um, and I don't know what the betting odds are. Uh, might be something I could look up real quick, but Corbin Burns might be the NL Cy Young favorite at this point. He has to be. I mean, Walker Bueller, maybe from a popularity standpoint. Um, but if you look at, numbers alone outside of maybe innings and I don't know how much that's valued but numbers alone I don't think it's close right now at least like in terms of war in terms of FIP in terms of all those things I think Walker hasn't beat maybe on ERA by like 0.06 but other than that Corbin has a beat on everything yeah and it's funny you say that um according to sports the favorite is Walker Buehler at plus 150. Uh, Corbin Burns comes in right behind them at plus 200 for the odds. Um, so it's looking like uh, a two-man race unless Zach Wheeler really comes on. He's at plus 300. Woody's at plus 750 in the four spot right now. Um, but something to keep an eye on, uh, something for Brewers fans to cheer against. We obviously don't like Walker Buehler to begin with. Um, so it'll be easy for, uh, especially myself in this podcast to root against pinhead. Um, hopefully he gets shelled the next five weeks. So Corbin can take home this hardware. Uh, but yeah, the rest of the game, uh, the Brewers went with their seven, eight, nine to close that one out. So box Williams hater, uh, dominant gave up no hits or only a couple hits between the, the three of them. 
Um, this was a Colton Wong game. He had three hits. Uh, Adamas, Yelly, both with a couple. Avi with three hits this day. Um, so just a, another good series from the Brewers. Um, not much more you can say. They're just playing really solid baseball right now. If 14 hits, only two runs. So left a few runs on the board out there or on that, that night, at least. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. The, the Cardinals were getting out of some jams. So, um, yeah, it's good to see, uh, it's good to see the Brewers balling out. Um, cool. I guess, uh, do we have anything to report down on the farm from this last week? Um, there's one guy that continues to be on an absolute tear, but I won't say his name because I know his bus is due. So bus, you want to talk about what your boy's been continuing to do? <laughs> yeah. The, uh, Joey Weimer, the Joey Weimer show, whatever you want to call it. Um, still hitting bombs. Um, with the T-Rats, he's got six bombs already in 12 games. Um, absolutely fucking mashing balls. His OPS is almost 1400. I feel like every time I check the stats at the end of the night, it's, oh, Weimer hit another homer. Weimer hit another double. So good to see. Good to see. Uh, he's kind of, he's quick, quickly going to move up the farm system if he keeps it up at this pace, at this pace. It feels like he's the minor leaguer of the year for our system, at least from an offensive perspective, either him or Joe Gray, I would say. But it feels like Joey is a little ahead of him. Uh, I don't know if you guys would agree, but that's kind of what it feels like heading into the last month of minor league baseball. Yeah, he's got 19 bombs. Yeah, he's been combined, absurd. of course. He's been absurd. Um, yeah, pretty crazy. Out of Cincinnati, um, kind of had a herky jerky swing coming out, but he's uh, he's obviously found something that that works for him, and it's uh, it's fun keeping up with him every night. Uh, huge dude. Bus likes to refer to him as a swamp donkey. Um, but uh, definitely a guy to keep an eye on here. Um, I do want to touch on this. So uh, in Will Salmon's mailbag on The Athletic, um, I feel like it's been a, a handful of weeks since we mentioned Will and how good he is at his job. Uh, but shout out him. Um, and I like, I like his take on, uh, on the Brewers' top 10 prospects, I think more so than, than Pipeline. I'm, I'm off team uh, MLB Pipeline for looking up prospect shit right now. I, I just don't trust them. The Brewers farm system is way, way better than what the national media gives them credit for. Um, and I'll take that to my grave. Uh, but the Brewers, his new top 10 reads as this. And you guys can follow up with any commentary um, after I go through it. Uh, but he goes, Aaron Ashby is number one, uh, which you don't see on Pipeline. You have Sal Freelick at two, just ahead of Garrett Mitchell, which is interesting. Um, Bryce Terang for Ethan Small five, Edward Perez six. Uh, many people believe nationally that he is the one or two prospect in our organization. Jefferson Cuero, the young catcher, seven. Mario Feliciano still creeps in the top 10. We have very good catcher depth in our organization, which is also a good sign uh, for whenever Manny Pena decides to hang it up. Uh, and then Hendry Mendez at number nine. And uh, Joey Weimer's hotspur the last uh, last couple months has him at number 10. So I guess uh, I'll throw it over to you guys. Do you guys have any takeaways from Will Salmon's top 10s? The name, I think, to watch there out of his top 10, out of the guys that we probably don't regularly bring up on the show is Hendry. 
He's yeah. a 17. Yeah. He's a 17 year old international signing out of Venezuela as well. He was actually, or he may be out of the Dominican Republic. I apologize for, for not knowing, but he was actually in one of the DR leagues um, this summer and he was pulled a couple of weeks ago to come uh, play for our AZL team, which is, they said, very rare teams. Organizations rarely do that, pull someone from a league like that into one of the state leagues midseason. Um, they kind of have kind of that, you know, tentative path where he has potentially that ceiling that Herbert may have. So that's a name to kind of watch. He's like, again, he's kind of Herbert's 18 and, and Henry's uh, 17. So um, there's a lot of growth still needed there, but he's kind of one of those names to watch. Um, elite bat to ball skills, doesn't strike out um, and has been hitting for a high OPS. Um, so that's kind of a name to watch out for as we, we grow over the years here. Really makes me feel old when these guys are like born in like 2003 and 2004, looking at their ages, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, it is pretty wild. Um, yeah, and just looking at it, uh, things that, you know, jump out to me, uh, beyond the, the two pitchers that are on there, every single player plays up the middle uh, besides Joey Weimer. Um, and he has, a, <laughs> he has a 1,300 OPS right now and 46 plate appearances at high A. Um, so you just see the draft strategy just screaming at you in this top 10. Um, you know, you go left-handed pitcher, couple center fielders, shortstop, left-handed pitcher, center fielder, two catchers, center fielder, and then a corner guy um, who's absolutely raking. So uh, it's, uh, it's pretty clear what David Stearns and Matt Arnold are drafting and how they're looking at things nowadays. Yeah, Freelich's been a fucking menace too. Every time I look at his at the box, he's got two or three hits. Um, not much power. He's got one bomb. He's got – uh, 20 hits in high air and a ball already um, in only 10 games. So I've watched a couple of highlights on him. And he also, when he's on the base path, obviously not hitting, he reminds me a lot of Christian Yelich, the way he shortens the length in between bases. So we were talking about the St. Louis game and that extra inning game that Christian ended up bunting in Christian scored on a, a gap, a gap shot by Jace that didn't even make it to the field. And Christian scored pretty much without a throw just because of how good Christian is at, as a base runner. I think we were texting about it in the group chat that night too, where it's just like, regardless of how he struggles at the plate, he is so much fun to run on the base bat or to run in the watch run on the bases. Sal gives me that vibe too. If you just watch him where it's just like, you know, for a lot of guys, it's just a routine single. And it's like Sal gets to second without, you know, even a, th a throw or a challenge play at the, at the base. So um, that's something to watch out for as Sal kind of grows. His base running skills are elite. So you're telling me we essentially have Christian Yelich 2.0 down there, hey? <laughs> we have three of them because Garrett Mitchell's also the same way. Yeah, forgot about him. Yeah, man, it's, uh, it's going to be fun to watch. And like I said, I think just collectively the Brewers farm is – um, you know, way better than, than, uh, you know, what they get credit for. Um, cool. I guess, uh, you guys have any other, other takeaways here from, you know, either this last week of baseball or coming up here, uh, with our series against the second place Reds. And then as we go to Minnesota, I don't think so. It's just going to be a fun times. I mean, this is the best time of year, man. I mean, there's intense games. Um, there's yelling and screaming uh, from the pitchers after big strikeouts. You can tune in almost every night and watch a competitive baseball game um, or something with playoff implications in the line. So it's going to be a fun down the stretch for sure. 
Yeah, and uh, the big thing to note, too, with this, at least more so the Reds, the Reds September is, I think, the second or third easiest schedule in baseball. Um, so it would be nice to send them a message here and win another series just so they don't gain some confidence because of, you know, what their schedule looks like in September. Um, ultimately, and I don't think this is a popular take, I'm actually pulling for the Reds to win in September as long as we continue to win as well. Um, because if the Reds can get in that wild card spot, I would much rather see them in the playoffs than one of those NLS teams. So um, it'll be interesting. Hopefully we can show the Reds that this is our division and that they don't even have a chance to sniff it in September. Um, but, but yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah. The, the, the Padres in our fucking tailspin. They just fired their pitching coach today. So I don't know if uh, that's very advisable with five weeks left in the season. They have 19 games remaining still against teams that are technically considered in the playoff hunt. And I think the Reds have like eight. Um, so yeah, their schedule definitely favors Cincinnati. Yeah, man. Um, going to be a fun week. Brewers got, uh, got Woodruff and Corbin Burns lined up against the Reds. Um, you know, they're throwing their guys uh, with uh, Luis Castillo, Sonny Gray, Tyler Molly. Um, so we kind of got our, you know, you know go-to guys lined up against each other. Uh, should be a fun three nights at, uh, at AmFam and we're looking forward to it. Every, every podcast from here on out, just going to have a little bit more energy to it. So a lot of fun coming up. Uh, hopefully the Brewers, all we can ask for is another positive week. Just keep winning series, um, go four and two, ideally, um, and should be golden. So perfect boys. Uh, well, that being said, let's go Brewers and let's cook. Let's cook. Let's fucking cook, baby. Let's go.